everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of On the Flank. I am one of your hosts, John George, alongside Joe Kirkpatrick. Say hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. And uh, this is this is the first ever episode of On the Flank. It's a it's a pro Overwatch uh, podcast. We we basically dive into the pro Overwatch scene, competitive Overwatch, Overwatch in general, anything Overwatch, and uh, we we analyze stuff. And when it comes to analysis. We are on the flank. Makes no sense. Sounds really cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, this is the first podcast episode ever. So introductions are in order. If you if you'd like to start first, Joe, you can you can go right ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I am Joe Kirkpatrick, um, student uh, involved in the esports uh, organizations and stuff at Butler University. Um, I run all their social medias and stuff. Um, but I first got involved with Overwatch uh, uh, not not too long ago. It was like the end of um, the Halloween event last year in 2017, um, which was actually a really uh, – we were talking about this earlier. It's actually a really nice time uh, to sort of jump into this because it was right, uh, right before BlizzCon of the Overwatch World Cup last year oh, yeah. uh, and right before the uh, first preseason for the Overwatch League. So – uh, you know, I sort of got into it right away, but you know, I've been climbing through the ranks trying to figure out what's going on. But <laughs> yeah, that, uh, was, that was definitely a great time. Right, right when Overwatch esports hit its stride, if you ask me, added all those observer options, the in-game jerseys, the replays, all that stuff. So you you started at the right time for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as my Overwatch history goes, I I've been playing since since uh i actually pay, played the beta up for a little bit one of my friends had the had the beta so i, I used his account for a little bit but um I, I i've been interested in overwatch since then uh i i've been into overwatch esports since then as well i remember the original uh luminosity gaming with seagull on it with gods on it they eventually went to nrg i was super pumped when Shaq tweeted about them back in the uh Back in the old days of Overwatch esports, I, I knew something big was coming, and then, then we had the uh, Overwatch World Cup, and the Overwatch League eventually came. I, I remember being so hyped when they first announced the Overwatch League at that BlizzCon. I think it was like a year before the first preseason, pretty much they announced it, and I was just so hyped for some some more announcements because I I love the city based concept and all that stuff. But yeah, I've been into Overwatch esports, but uh, esports in general too. I'm. I, I was a student at Butler University, and I was uh, one of the founders of that of that Butler Esports Club, um, alongside Joe, who was super help who was super helpful, and he's he's probably one of, in my opinion, one of the best members of the club. He's super super helpful with the with the social media and just getting everything organized. So, thanks, thank you, Joe, for that. No problem. Yeah. Um, so now that introductions are done, let's let's jump right into it. I know this was a was a while ago at this point um i don't know maybe nine ten days ago at this point but we we have to talk about it contenders korean contenders kung du panthera versus runaway went to eight maps probably one of it's being considered one of the best uh overwatch matches of all time uh runaway ends up winning their first uh korean championship ever they're one of the og korean teams this this was um one hell of a game i i couldn't i i'm here we're both here at eastern eastern time so i was up at 5 a.m i could not fall asleep while watching this match uh what'd you think of it joe 
Yeah, I can. Uh, I didn't. I didn't watch it live, but yeah, I came back and watched uh, some of the maps after. Yeah, it was just crazy because, uh, what at one point, uh, County Pit there was up like three one. I think after four maps. Yeah. Um, and then Runaway came back, took it all back to eight. But uh, yeah, that was it. Was it was a really cool series, like especially uh, even just going back. Just, if you were going to go back, just go watch uh, Ilios. Those are their last map they played. Um, just really excellent round on well. Um, and Lighthouse uh, Ru- Ru- Ruins was yeah, pretty well decided was... by then, but <laughs> but it, yeah, j- just excellent rounds really the whole way. Yeah, that was the the map too. Whatever I can't remember which map that was, but the second map was the one where Runaway came back. It was down ninety nine zero and then came back. Um, I think that was well, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was such a, an insane an insane uh, map on Elios right there. Um, I think it just, just watch Elios if you can, but that whole series was awesome. Started Runaway won the first map and then Kongdu um, t- took the next three alongside a tie and then Runaway came back and, and took the next two causing an eight, eighth map, which was, it was crazy to see. And I, as, as an original fan of Overwatch esports, I remember watching Runaway when they were first, like that orgless team that just came out of nowhere in Korea um, and faced Lunatic High in those season two Apex finals. And I shed a tear watching them actually win something. And I, I remember one of the things I want to bring up we're, we're from America, obviously. Um, Esports is a lot different in Korea. Here in America, when you see crowds, it's male-dominant, mostly males. In Korea, it's almost all females. And instead of, like, if if they if Runaway had won here in America, everyone would be cheering, like, very hyped. But when they won in Korea, all the, all the, all the girls in the audience were crying. And I was... It was, it was crazy to watch. I was like, oh, my God, this is so sad i was like wow everyone is everyone's so happy for them uh what, what do you think about uh the esports fandom over in korea joe hey it's yeah it's interesting to watch i mean it's just the stuff uh, uh it, it, it's, it's a different culture you know uh, i'm trying to trying to look at the way like even when um uh here now with the world cup which we're going to talk about here in a second just to watch uh the crowd also at this uh, Incheon group stage, it's the same thing. It's it's really interesting to uh, yeah to make those kinds of comparisons like you're talking about. Yeah, I think it, I, it made Runaways win even better to see everyone just crying tears of joy in the audience. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was great. You brought up World Cup. Great transition. Let's transition right into it. <laughs> <laughs> World Cup, South Korea. This happened last this past weekend. The first group stage of the world cup this year they uh they're doing 24 teams this year uh so six teams per group uh this time around this this one was in south korea of course it included six teams russia japan uh japanese taipei uh finland chinese taipei, chinese taipei. what did i say <laughs> Japanese. Wow. <laughs> China would probably be offended. Yeah, yeah. Japan is. Japan might take over Taiwan. No surprises there. But Finland, Korea, South Korea, and Hong Kong. Uh, so it, it, I'll read off the stains real quick, then we can get into analysis. Of course, South Korea got first, went going five and zero. Finland went four and one. Their only loss to South Korea. Russia three and two. Then Japan two and three. Chinese Taipei one and four. And Hong Kong 0-5, dropping every single map. 
that they played. All right. So <laughs> I'm personally not surprised. Any surprises for you, Joe? Not really. No, I think um, probably the the most uncertain thing in this in this particular group stage was um, who would take second, yeah. right between uh, Finland and Russia. Uh, it, it, same thing. If you had to go back and watch a series uh, uh, from this group stage, it would probably either be that one uh, or the one that ended up being for first place between South Korea and Finland. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just really nice levels of competition there on the top um, that stratified itself stratified itself out pretty nicely as we went through the weekend yeah um and watching watching finland south korea made me think south korea is definitely beatable because i i honestly don't think finland is like one of the best competitors against south korea so i think i think these other teams have have a good chance against south korea but uh russia finland was was definitely a, a great great matchup i honestly didn't expect russia to compete as much as as they ended up doing they only have two overwatch league players uh shadowburn and uh, mistakes in their starting lineup so i didn't expect the rest of their team to do that well they're uh, they're on an eu contenders team um but but the, i think they performed pretty well actually and uh shadowburn and mistakes did not have to carry them and they ended up playing a very close game against Finland. So uh, that that was also a really exciting match. But I, I did expect Finland to make it over Russia. So any um, anybody on on not any non Overwatch League players that impressed you um, this weekend? Uh, yeah. So I guess I'd have to say. Uh... First of all, I do at least want to give a mention to um, Depp off of Japan, Team yeah. Japan. Uh, really good, uh, really good Widowmaker, really good hitscan player. Uh, it, it attempted to carry his team sometime. Uh, it, it worked on some maps, but uh, usually yeah. they, uh, the opponents were able to shut him down pretty quickly. So, uh, but it, it, it was, it was notable certainly for his team. Um, and then the rest would definitely be just. Um, the the tanks and tank line supports uh, from Team Russia. Again, they, uh, I forget which team you said they were from, but they're all they all play on the same contenders EU team. Yep. Uh, and and yeah, really good synergy. Really uh, working to enable Shadowrun and mistakes. Um, you know, as they uh, were able to pop off, which was nice uh, with uh, uh, Chow and Tonic and Ing and Main. Yeah, uh, I, really cool to watch. I agree. Um, I agree with those exact same players. Actually, no one on Chinese Taipei or Hong Kong impressed me too much. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, Overwatch players in the Chinese scene can can step up. You know, maybe we'll see it when we get the mainland China team up in here. Um, but that's that's in a couple weeks, of course, in the Thailand group. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we <laughs> the Shanghai Dragons, of course, notorious for their 0 40 season. Um, so, so so we're not the chinese players aren't looking too good but uh, besides that besides the actual play we can talk about some new things they added of course um with this patch with this patch rialto this is one of the first uh competitions we saw the map rialto and it was played very often 12 out of 15 escort maps yeah and the way the the way the map selection worked was um every series started with a preset control map um out of you know the four that are available but then from there on they played the rest of the map types but it was uh the choice of the loser from the map previous uh, which meant that all of what there's like 26 maps or something really no like 16 or 18 maps yeah um 
th that were in play. Uh, yeah, which makes it really notable uh, that we saw Rialto that much. I think we had uh, Dorado twice, both times Russia picked it, and Gibraltar once, which I think uh, Finland played. Um, anyway, but, but yeah, it's just interesting. Um, one of the uh, suggestions that uh, the, the casters and talent had um, maybe to try to explain that was just because it was so new, right, that um, uh, there hadn't been any exposure for these Overwatch League players um, to Rialto, and so, um, especially again because the loser uh, picks the map, they might have thought that, and it's probably true, that Rialto would provide a little bit more of a leveled playing field, almost between um, some of these World Cup teams, uh, you know, trying to mess up, mess around with this new meta, which we can also talk about, um, but also on this this relatively newer map. Yeah, um, South Korea and Finland, full Overwatch League roster or at least starting rosters. And um, Overwatch League players never got to play Rialto in competitive play. Contenders players, they have. Um, but I, overall, I agree, I agree with what the casters were saying. These people are just trying to throw the Overwatch League players off. But I, I also really enjoy playing on Rialto. When Rialto first came out, I feel like maybe the first two months, I never, I seriously never got Rialto, like, in competitive play. <laughs> I just never played on it. Uh, but now I've played on it about four or five times, but I, re I really enjoy playing on Rialto. I think it's a good map. Yeah. Um, Wait, do you hear they're gonna, uh, they're looking at it to change, uh, yeah. to change it, though. So that it first, is, that yeah, first something, point. something like a 42% win rate for attackers or something. <laughs> On the oh, first yeah. points, so they're gonna they're gonna try to fix that. So yeah, we might even see some changes coming through. Yep, they always want to make it even about fifty fifty for attackers and defenders, and it's pretty weighted well on the defenders. The I, the defense spawn is just like a bit too close to that to that point um, that they can get back and defend right under that bridge, which I yeah. think is is the big part of it. Uh, but there's also a lot of flanking routes for both defense and offense on that map. Uh, but overall, I, I do enjoy playing on Rialto a lot, despite the the imbalanced um, the imbalanced play. I, I, I enjoy Rialto, and once those improvements come, come in, I'll I'll enjoy it even more. And I enjoyed watching it this this weekend as well. Um, the other new thing, Hammond Wrecking Ball. Um, he wasn't played that much. The Winston Winston's Lab pick rate stats are officially up now. Um, and overall, in all teams, Hammond was played 5.26%. The team who played Hammond the most was South Korea at 20.84%. 20 um, almost every other team has him under 5% play, almost 1% play for the rest of the teams. South Korea was the, was the main team playing Hammond. Um, what did you think of his play so far? Where did you think he fit into the meta? That was interesting. Uh, I hadn't seen those numbers, but uh, one of the one of the things that struck me about the way they were using him uh, reminded me of when they introduced Brigitte to the Overwatch League, um, in the sense that there was lots of um, sort of you know initial picks and then counter picks and then swaps that came in pretty pretty quickly because uh, he does have some pretty strong counters uh whether that's you're running the sombra which we haven't seen the sombra that much um but in contenders they're playing some especially north america uh we didn't see sombra that much on the world cup matches but uh you know sombra far this kind of long range uh long range dps is a pretty good counter to him and so 
Uh, so a lot of times you'd see, you know, Hammond on a rollout, uh, but then that would swap pretty quickly. Uh, he's also, I noticed, um, a, a favorite for um, some tank players trying to come in like in an overtime situation as well. Uh, again, with a really good, nice rollout, uh, you can get there pretty quickly. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, I, I think it's still definitely being felt out um, just exactly where he fits in. Um, yeah, we'll see where some of, these, some of these teams. We'll see where he fits. Um, but I, I, speaking of Sombra, I was surprised not to see that many, that much Sombra because contenders had had me convinced that Sombra was OP and a must pick <laughs> to come into come into South Korea, and no one is picking Sombra. Um, but yeah, Hammond, I agree with you a lot, like Brigida right now, and that that just happens with like almost every hero that's released. I remember Anna. Nobody played Ana in competitive in, in the esports scene, even though she was super OP. Be, and I guarantee she was super OP because no one played her on her first patch. Then she got nerfed and everybody started playing her, <laughs> which means that she must have been insane before people stopped, start, before people started playing her. Um, so it, it just takes time for everyone to figure out like where this where Hammond is going to fit. Is he going to be a main tank? What, what is he best played with? Yeah, and stuff like that. Um, but I'm excited. I like Hammond as a, as a hero because I like high skill heroes. Um, and when it comes to competitive play mostly, uh, but we, we should talk about production of the world cup overall, because there's something, some things people noticed um, about the production that it wasn't, up to par with what Overwatch League gave us exactly. We had different casters, we had different graphics, um, and overall, I, in, in, in my opinion, it felt like a LAN that was still being done online for some reason. <laughs> it felt like the casters weren't in the same room. It, it just felt overall like it was, a, there was, it was disconnected. It was disjointed for me. Um, what were your thoughts on the production? Yeah, it's one of those things you know you you would have thought that would have picked up something from uh, you, you know the incredible success that was the Overwatch League uh, to try to include at least some of that in the World Cup broadcast, but there really wasn't uh, that sort of thing. I mean, like, uh, if you notice, they uh, the oh, like the Overwatch social media accounts um, like didn't even mention that the group stage had started until like the second day, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting uh, how low priority that was, but. Yeah, just weird production things. Uh, like if you again that Finland South Korea match um, on day one, uh, where they got um, into the second half of Rialto, um, and and the server crashed, and <laughs> and they had to reset uh, reset South Korea's attack, which was interesting. Yeah, uh, it's just, just stuff like that. You know, we had um, uh, the other the other thing I noticed was. Uh, a really interesting uh, focus of the production that it was uh, obviously this group stage was in South Korea, uh, you know, South Korean audience and all that. Uh, but if you, at least if you watched the English stream, um, you wouldn't have known it because uh, we had English casters, um, English, um, I guess, talent on the English speaking ca uh, talent on the floor. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't an analyst desk, but. Uh, but, but, but you wouldn't have even known that um, presumably, you know, obviously there was a Korean stream. So there presumably were uh, Korean casters and translators and that sort of thing. But uh, you, you couldn't have told, you couldn't have uh, 
been able to tell just from watching the thing live. Um, and maybe they weren't there live. Yeah, uh, it, I, I, I don't, I don't know. And Golden Boy even having Ark translate himself, <laughs> uh, just things like that. And the Golden Boy and Malik's sort of things, the interviews felt super weird to me and i don't know why it, they they were doing it in the middle of the games they were interviewing players in the middle of the games which was weird to me um like at halftime but now that you mentioned analysis desk I, it may be that there was just no analysis desk and that just threw me for a loop because it i don't know it truly felt to me like the casters were not there in in the actual building for some reason yeah, nothing to anchor them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe it, maybe it's because I I've, I've been watching Contenders NA where they're where it's all online. But um, yeah, as far as the casting goes, though, I have no complaints with the casting personally. This is the first time Houston Outlaw Houston Outlaws player Jake uh, stepped up to the plate and casted with ZP. That was the best casting duo by far, in my opinion. Jake brings that. Uh, player analysis and his his amazing uh, speaking abilities to to the Overwatch casting scene, and I I thought he was really good at it. I can't complain about Wolf and Achilles. I thought they're great contenders. Uh, Korea, I think they're great here. I think they're I think they're Overwatch League talent if they weren't so key to being in the Korean scene because they can translate um, English to Korean for for those English viewers. They're they're very uh, they're very key for the scene over there. Uh, and then we had Leg Day and um, Jaws. Jaws, and uh, I think they were pretty good too. So I, I can't complain about the casting too much, especially Jake's first time out. Yeah, for not seeing the Overwatch League talent, it's good. It's it's almost you know, uh, the World Cup is sort of a, a combination of this uh, Overwatch League and contenders and all these sort of things, and so and to have the production like that too, um, you know, it's sort of a a, a bigger. Uh, exposure for some of these contenders casters is is really cool uh, and you, you know as we continue to expand maybe they'll uh maybe they'll be ex- expanding the talent pool i don't know yeah i, I guarantee they will be ex- expanding that talent pool with more <laughs> games more means more casters that's true but, um, uh yeah and i agree they're pro- they're just mixing contenders and overwatch league talent at this point uh they need those contenders talent they know more about the contenders players and the Overwatch World Cup has tons of contenders players, and especially for the group stage. I, expe- I expect, uh, these are the group stages, I expect BlizzCon to have almost everyone from the Overwatch League production back, uh, casters, analysts. I expect it to be mainly Overwatch League people. Um, and that makes sense. I think they're on a well-deserved break right now. Overwatch League just ended. I think everyone's everyone's taking a nice little vacation when it comes to production talent stuff like that i know nate nancer all those people all the higher-ups are back to work for sure but um yeah all those people are taking a nice little break they'll have a fun little all-star game here uh coming up which which is a great transition because that's what we're talking about next we're on a roll here it's great (laughs) great transitions all right so all-star weekend is this weekend august 25th and 26th on the 25th, we have exhibition matches. The schedule just came out yesterday. At 4, or this is Pacific time. At 4 is Lucio Ball's Showdown. 5 is Mystery Heroes. 6 is the quarterfinals and semifinals of the Widowmaker 1v1s. 7.30 is the Talent Takedown. 8.30 is the Lockout Elimination. 9.30 is the finals 
of that Widowmaker 1v1. And then the next day on the 26th at 11 a.m. Pacific, it is the actual All-Star game. Let's start with the ex exhibition matches. Which exhibition match are you most looking forward to? Uh, wait, uh, out of the five we're listed here, uh, you know, I've got to be looking forward to Mystery Heroes. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that game mode. Um, but also, I'll be really interested to see the way. Uh, number one, who from the Pacific and Atlantic teams are going to be playing in this uh, in that particular mode, but also just the way. Um, that it ends up going uh, like for example we'll probably see Symmetra for example which we haven't uh, we, we haven't at all this season um, but but you know just to see you know does one team happen to spawn with a decent composition and just wreck face or um, you, you know what kind of um, improv strategies they're going to be able to come up with um, in the moment it's really going to be interesting to see yeah and we'll be we'll we'll be predicting a little after I, after I say my favorite uh, my favorite event is personally the Widowmaker 1v1. Coming from a, from a sports fan, you have all these all-star weekends going on. The MLB, the baseball league here in America, um, does a home run derby. And they have recently changed it to a 1v1 bracket of of these players seeing who can hit the most home runs. And I, I think that uh, they, they took a page out of MLB's book for this one. I'm most looking forward to Widowmaker 1v1. Widowmakers are... One of the most exciting parts of of Overwatch League in general, uh, seeing those big headshots, and we've we've they've they've uh, chosen the eight players, and we've got we've got eight good players here, and I'm excited to see who wins this bracket. But we'll get more into our predictions on that stuff later. Let's start with our predictions for the first event, Lucio Ball Showdown. Joe, you're the pro Lucio Ball player here, so I think you should take this prediction over. You keep saying that. I'm not. Uh, I'm not really sure what to think. I mean. Um, while this all-star game is going to be going on you you've got your own lucio ball event to attend so it's true for butler uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes yeah this weekend but uh but yeah i think if i had to if i had to guess i'd probably give um a slight advantage to uh the pacific team uh because of uh again just because of some of the roster they've got right um uh, it's particularly a big goose you know known for really nice uh really nice lucio uh on his on the gladiators um but uh just in general i mean you've got you've got several uh several people on here uh sleepy's also there um you, you know whether they uh, actually put in lucio players or uh, something else you know <laughs> who, yeah. who knows for sure we have no uh, clue what's gonna happen but i I, th yeah. I look at this list and i only see Big Goose, pretty much. That's a Lucio player. Out of all these All Stars, they're mostly yeah, like on both sides. Yeah, most yeah. of the supports are are um, Zenyatta supports and not, or either Zenyatta or Mercy. And because Lucio's just wasn't played that much in the it's Overwatch league. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know if they put. I, I don't think they have. I don't think either team has enough Lucio players to do to do all three Lucios. So it's going to be interesting to see if they put in their supports or if they put in their damage dealers, or if they're just like Lucio ball specialists on, on each team that just love playing Lucio ball all the time. I personally don't like Lucio ball that much. Um, it's as a rocket league player. It's a, just a slower version of rocket league. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch because I want to know who these teams are going to put in. Um, move on to mystery heroes, your favorite event. This one's also hard to predict because there's there's a part there it's part luck. You you can get really good heroes 
one team could just magically get dive somehow and <laughs> and that would be crazy um but I, I personally think if there is a skill it is the most flexible players which uh which side do you think has the more flexible players atlantic pacific uh well uh, normally i would have said uh, you know pacific and i'd point out players like siegel um, but of course now he's announced his retirement um won't be uh, playing in all-stars and won't be playing in overwatch league season two yeah. um but yeah it's it's interesting to see um the you know the types of players they might they might feel though i mean like uh for pacific jay hong might come out um either on support or tank you know who knows yeah uh we, we might see uh somebody like mickey you know he's been uh really nice on the brigida but also um you know known for his diva before uh before seagull sort of picked that up for dallas fuel um uh, and on the other side, you've got people like Poco, a uh, really good diva, really good Zarya, um, you know, flex DPS almost if necessary. Um, and then, of course, Pine. You know, <laughs> you can't say much about Pine that it hasn't already been said. But yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. It's, it's going to be close for sure. Yeah, definitely will. Uh, I, when, I, when I think of flexibility, I definitely think Sure4. I think Sure4 has been throughout overwatch history has played so many different heroes um and has mastered so many different heroes as his team has needed him to here in the overwatch league he's had to transition into a widow make widow maker player uh, which is something he didn't really do before so i i think he's just been all over the place i think sure for um is definitely going to be in for the pacific division um but there there are a lot of specialists in the overwatch league so it's this one should also be interesting to watch uh widowmaker 1v1 we have the official matchups here so the atlantic and pacific both chose four players they get put into a bracket um and then they the the winners move on obviously it's a it's a eight player bracket i'll I'll read off the matchups right now uh over from the atlantic we have saya player versus carpe pine versus striker the pacific architect versus soon and fleta versus sure for Let's just go through this. Let's let's go through this. Let's choose an obvious winner and then maybe a sleeper winner that we have, a, someone who could come out and and surprise us all. Uh, we, so yeah, out of the eight total, uh, I mean, I'm biased because uh, I've been a fan of the fusion all the way since the preseason, which they weren't there for. Of course. Uh, but uh, I've, I've just decided that's where I was going. Uh, but no, so, so I, I mean, I've got to give it to Carpe, uh, just because. Just because he's Carpe, uh, if he can turn up for this, uh, then he'll, he'll he'll do really well, I'm sure. Uh, uh, but yeah, if, if it wasn't Carpe, uh, I mean the obvious choice is Pine. But we're not if, if we're going if we're going sleeper. Uh, right, who's sure for playing? Fleta. Fleta. Ah, uh, maybe either sure for or uh, soon probably uh, might be yeah. my second guess. Honestly, you could pick anyone from the Pacific <laughs> and they would be a sleeper. I feel like all four of these players are like are definitely sleeper picks. They're definitely not considered the best Widowmakers. I know Fleta was at the beginning of the season, but he kind of once sold, took a dip. He kind of wasn't in the spotlight as much anymore. Um, but o- over on the Atlantic side, they've got some very good snipers over there. Um, I-, I agree with you. I think Carpe is going in as the favorite. Uh, but I personally think Architect could come out of nowhere and, and surprise some people. Uh, he, I think he was the San Francisco Shock's best player 
I think he was very underrated. I definitely think he's a sleeper in this Widow 1v1. Um, but side player versus Carpe is like the finals in the first round. So that, that kind of <laughs> sucks. But um, yeah, I'm, but, I'm, super, I'm super excited and, for this. And of course, you've got to think that uh, this 1v1, right, it's just going to be um, purely mechanical Widowmaker skill. Like you mentioned, um, you, you know, Fleta might have gone down with his team, but while you're not relying on a Winston to create space for you, and it's just a matter of clicking on their head's forehead, you know, I mean, it's... True. <laughs> forehead. Uh, um, <laughs> but you'd be interested to see what happens. But yeah, yeah, no other players on this battlefield, so it's just pure mechanical skill. Um, I'm excited for this one. And then... Something else we haven't talked about yet, but everyone's getting super hyped for the talent takedown because of the amount of trash talk that there has been. Um, Bren coming out on Twitter, of course, trash talking Monty, trash talking pretty much the entire um, other side. It's It's been crazy. It's basically, um, do you have the teams pulled up? I'm getting them here, yeah. All right, cool. But um, yeah, Bren has been has been saying that he respects reinforce, but the entire other team is, he has no respect for. Um, and Monty responded with some, with some nice jabs last night, Hex on his Twitch stream. He was practicing with Monty and uh, Zoe and uh, he, he had some words for Brent as well. So every Brent, Brent talks big. Everyone talks big back. It's, it's been a lot of trash talk so far and I'm excited to see who wins this. Yeah, we've got uh, two teams of seven, right? The Atlantic Division, uh, Malik, Sideshow, Golden Boy, Mr. X, Doa, Uber, and Bren. Um, the Pacific Division is uh, Reinforce, Crumbs, Zoe, Semler, uh, Monty, Puckett, and Hex. Yeah, uh, it's overall, overall, if you take a look at their SR and stuff like that, um, the Pacific has reinforced who is of course still a pro player he's on the swedish overwatch world cup team he's a grandmaster player and the rest of his team is is about golds whereas whereas over on the atlantic you got some some uh high platinum low diamond players pretty much um but you 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 got the infamous brenji he he plays genji widowmaker and some uh torbjorn and then you got Sideshow, who's the flankyata. Basically, these 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 players over on Atlantic are known for being trash talking, selfish players. So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see if they can come together and make a nice team. Um, but Reinforce is going to have to carry carry big here. And uh, the other the other cool thing about this match is players are going to help cast the match. Uh, we could see Jake. We could see some fun players casting this match and, and trashing these casters uh who, who else do you think we could see uh yeah we were trying to think about that earlier as uh, you, you know it really depends on you know what kind of angle they want to go uh it, again this might be an answer i would have uh, i would have given seagull um if he was there because i know he's uh really good at that stuff Rest um, in peace yeah <laughs> rip the bird <laughs> uh but, but you know um uh, somebody like sure maybe uh be yeah. You get that, um, you, you know, these types of players that um, have clearly have lots of head knowledge as well. Uh, I'm trying to think, who, who was it like from LA Valiant or something? Who Custa? Okay, that's not Custa. that's not who I was thinking of. But yeah, but yes, Custa would also be a good choice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> nice, <laughs> helps you out there. Yeah, there you go. Um, I think Mickey would be a good choice too. Mickey's just fun overall. Um, but yeah, I think the shock has have some funny. Sinatra would be funny. 
even though he's not there are a bunch of people that aren't on the teams that would be funny to to, to see um but yeah i i think this that i think almost everyone is looking forward to the talent takedown because of this trash talk pretty much um then we have lockout elimination we've never seen anything like lockout elimination before basically if you die you're dead for good you don't respawn um and you, the first team to win three rounds and you were telling me that if you win a round the heroes you use to win that round you cannot use anymore correct yeah that's where the lockout part comes in so in order for the it's a best or it's a first to three uh rounds so in order for the team to win they will have had to use 18 different heroes so much like mystery heroes you're going to want to put in your most flexible players basically yeah um so that that one should be interesting too i don't know to, what exactly to expect for that but um it should be fun and then then you have the finals of the Widowmaker 1v1 finishing off the day. And then the next day is the All-Star game. I was saying before that um, I enjoy like these skill challenges and exhibition matches more than the All-Star game usually when it comes to sports, actual sports, traditional sports, I guess. And um, the All-Star game is, I, I don't know, it's usually just when when it's an NBA, it's just the players not really trying MLB is just it, it's just weird even in this Overwatch League all 18 players on these teams must play I feel like it's weird when you just have to switch out the players a bunch and all this stuff it it feels weird to me but um it could be fun we'll see if the if the players bring out some fun strategies yeah it, hopefully they they take this opportunity to do that yeah that it's it's not played off too seriously <laughs> yeah exactly um we could see Symmetra we were I was saying we should rename it to uh, Symmetra Weekend instead of All-Star Weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I think we didn't see Symmetra at all in the Overwatch League. It's it's time to see her, all right? All weekend. <laughs> Why not? Replace Widowmaker yeah. 1v1 with Symmetra 1v1, please. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, mentioned, you know, Muma's, Muma's playing on the Atlantic roster, so I, I think he has the most Symmetra playtime in the Overwatch League right now. So Do it, something. Muma. Do it. He's definitely going to do it. <laughs> Uh, besides the events, of course, we had the skins. We could talk about the skins, the Tracer skin, the Genji skin. Um, they they were going to cost 300 owl credits. They are now 200 owl credits. They're on sale now. Um, they're $10 each for these skins, $20 total. There was a bit of sort of people were people were upset when they cost 300 owls credits. They're still upset that they cost 200 owl credits. Um Ten dollars each for a skin. They, these people must have not played Fortnite before, where every skin is twenty dollars. Um, but that's just how teams make money now. What do you think about the skins? Yeah, I, I like them. I got them. Uh, it's it's interesting. Just uh, you, you know, like super highly detailed. You know, obviously legendary skins. Uh, if you haven't seen pictures of them, you should go look them up. Uh, Genji is all fiery, um, and Tracer has some sort of water design i don't know how to describe it exactly but uh there's there's a slightly modified sound effect on tracer i forget if it's the pulse bomb or uh recall sound effect or something but it sounds like a, a wave which is kind of cool yeah uh, I, have, I haven't noticed any on the Gigi skin though uh but uh but yeah they're cool um like i said i got them <laughs> yeah I, I i probably am not going to get them but i do think they're cool i think people are are overreacting not only are they like this costs too much money. They're like, these skins are terrible. And I'm like, 
Well, they're not terrible. <laughs> they're not horrible. They're not. Some people are calling them the worst tracer skins in the game, and I'm like, no, it's it's definitely not yeah, the worst it, tracer. It, skin. Yeah, tracer has some bad skins too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's weird to call it the worst skin in the game because I think it's I think they're pretty cool. Um, and I I like Genji's better because he's just flame. I, I like his sword a lot, and his head is just on fire, and I think that's sweet. But I'm interested to see, like, for their in-game jerseys, is is every character going to have these Atlantic and, and Pacific skin type things? Like, what are they going to do? I would be cool. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll just do recolors with, like, the, the maroon and turquoise yeah, or whatever. That's probably what they're going to do. Um, but it would be super cool if they were all just wearing, like, these insanely cool skins. Um, besides that, jerseys. Jerseys were jerseys came out last night uh you can buy atlantic and pacific jerseys these these ones i think they're very cool jerseys actually i I don't know if i'm gonna get one but you can get any of the all-star names on the back and or you can customize it for more money put whatever name you want on the back with numbers you cannot actually put seagull or um who's the other put bird rings the one bird rings both the birds um those are banned from the yeah you actually cannot put seagull or bird ring on the back of your jersey (laughs) i didn't realize that yeah which is that's pretty sad of course seagull uh can't attend as we've mentioned but bird ring also his hand injury in the middle-ish of the season uh he's just taking more time to get over that because he he uh played a bit too much without getting over that so so he's not playing uh, that weekend either uh one more thing i wanted to we're, we're about to this is a nice i gotta transition once again into the next topic um i'm on the overwatch league website and they've already changed fissure who's no longer a los angeles oh, yeah. he is a soul dynasty man they got rid of his picture and changed into a soul dynasty player which is interesting that he like he won't be pl- at the all-star game as an la gladiator player even even though he played, true. he played almost the entire season on on the Gladiators, he's he's going to be representing Seoul, it seems, at at this um, event, which would be interesting. I wonder what they would do if he had been transferred not to uh, Seoul, but somebody in the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's interesting, but yeah. I mean, they've they've made roster changes already. Maybe they just take him off, bump somebody up. Yeah, but let's let's know. get more into Fissure to Soul. How about that? Yesterday, yeah. we had our first free agent uh, pickup of, of or trade, I guess if you could call it. It's sort of it's a transfer. It's a lot like uh, soccer in that most there's no trades really in soccer. You just trade money for a player. <laughs> um, so it's an undisclosed amount of money. And in professional sports, which I hope Overwatch gets to eventually, you have to disclose the amount of money you you gave up for this player but you don't have to do that yet uh so we don't know how much money la gladiators have received for fissure but fissure uh was sent on over to soul dynasty which was a surprise to nobody <laughs> yeah as much as uh, uh fissure might have argued otherwise <laughs> yeah every every single time fissure came onto the subreddit and said i would i love my team i i would never leave them and I, I, Slasher is lying. Slasher is not telling the truth. I would not, I, I don't want this. He, he, Fisher tried Slash- as 
Frisier tried his hardest to do damage control. <laughs> and now this Sl- comes out. Slasher tweets last night, I have 200 IQ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> yeah, Slasher is the leak master. There's no doubt about that. But um, <laughs> Fissure tried his hardest. Didn't work out. Um, what do you think? Is this? Uh, how, how, do you think Soul's going to improve a lot from this? Uh, I think uh, so certainly the the mechanical skill is there, right? Uh, it's interesting though to to think about uh, the way uh, Fissure fit in with the Gladiators there at the end. I mean, like he uh, wasn't uh, played in the playoffs. I mean, you know, there were rumors of oh, he's he's being um, you know obstinate. He's he's not showing up. Whatever. Um, uh, partly because uh, you know he he wanted to play on a Korean roster, which you know fine, whatever. I guess he's got his wish, but uh, maybe, you know hopefully uh, hopefully he'd be able to settle in nicely over there. Um, yeah, pres- presumably, uh, assuming that that happens, that he ought to be he ought to do um, pretty well over there. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you know, you know, we've we've seen how how good he is at um, at his position. So. Uh, yeah. I think he's definitely one of the best tanks in the league, if not the best. And um, it just makes me wonder why London didn't start him and how he fits overall into a full Korean roster. Maybe perhaps London actually didn't know his full potential and full talent, but that just doesn't make sense to me because people like Monty Doa, who had had come from the Korean scene, knew that Fissure was one of the best Korean players. So obviously, I feel like London would know that too. You would um, think. <laughs> yeah, so it makes me think with these issues with the Gladiators at the end, maybe he had issues with with London as well. Um, but it, it, looking at it on paper, without thinking about Fisher's personality issues or what whatever happened with the Gladiators there at the end, he will improve Soul by so much. Yeah. I mean, we saw what we did with what he did with the Gladiators too. Took him from what like yeah. eighth or something to to first by stage four exactly and that's with like a language barrier and he basically <laughs> just carried this entire team if and you have you have the soul dynasty who's who's in need of a tank and i know i know miro everyone loves miro but um he hasn't he hasn't performed he had one in my opinion miro had one really good performance and that was the overwatch world cup and everyone like thought he was amazing after that but he <laughs> oh he's pretty overrated in my opinion um, so I think Fisher is Fisher. Fisher's a great addition for Soul, and on paper, will probably bring Soul to the playoffs next year uh, if things don't work out. Of course, um, one of the top comments on the Reddit th- thread yesterday was the only question is how can Soul mess this up? <laughs> we'll put him on support, obviously. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and uh, overall, what do you, what do you think about the Gladiators? Was was this a good choice? Did they have to do it? Like, how's their team looking next year overall without them too? I w- well, I mean, uh, you, you know, who knows how much preparation they had put into this uh, going into the playoffs? But I mean, they certainly held their own. Uh, I thought against uh, well, it must have been against London uh, in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Yeah, it- yeah, of the Overwatch League. Or was it uh, against London? Was it no? Because they're in different. Or, no, they played LA Valiant first. Yeah. No. No. Yes. No, but you, you, no, it was against London because in London beat Gladiators and oh, Valiant. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm an idiot. I'm thinking that Pacific and Atlantic have to face different 
right. Yeah, go. It was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, no, to, to, to watch that series, um, you know, uh, I remix in Void, uh, you know, less than orthodox tank lineup, but they seem to be doing okay. Um, Bishu, I know, has uh, uh, put some work in at the beginning of the season. Uh, yeah, so maybe they, maybe they pick up somebody to replace him, but um, they probably don't even necessarily have to. I'm not familiar with Gladiator's Legion. Uh, maybe there's uh, a nice main, t- main tank down there. I don't know. I know Gods is on. Gods is on Gladiator's Legion. I've always, I've always liked Gods' ability to to flex onto different heroes. Um, but he originally is is a tank slash. Or no, he originally was a DPS. He's moved to tank slash flex. Um, so I I like Gods a lot, but I don't know if he's Overwatch League worthy quite yet. So they might just have to pick up somebody, somebody else, another free agent. Um, we'll see though. I'd, overall, there's nothing, there's nothing gladiators can do in this situation but sort of give up Fissure for money. Like he's, <laughs> yeah. he's either going to be sitting on their bench complaining the whole time, or you know he, they're not going to be able to play him because Fissure clearly didn't want to be there anymore. So. Yeah, might as well just give him up at that point, and he's one of the, probably one of the most expensive players in this league. So they probably got a good amount of money for him, and now they can use that money to maybe pick up a main tank that uh, won't do this to them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, uh, I'm excited. Free agency officially started. Now we got it officially started a while ago, but this is the official first move. And now hopefully that opens the floodgates and we get a bunch of moves. Yeah. Um, teams, we can talk Overwatch League. We have no other free agency things to talk about, but we can talk about expansion teams because rumored to be to move from 12 teams overall to 18, so adding six teams. So far, uh, Overwatch League themselves have to confirmed two teams, Atlanta and Guangzhou. Atlanta is in Georgia in the USA. Guangzhou is in China, in Asia, and uh, we have a bunch of rumored teams. They're not officially announced yet. Way back around the Overwatch League finals, Paris was rumored by ESPN. Uh, Toronto was recently rumored by Over.gg. And then we have a Melbourne rumor, but that is for Season 3, not this season. Uh, Other... Other names been thrown out there by not necessarily confirmed sources quite yet are Berlin and Busan. Um, those are sort of the top runners. Uh, besides, besides that, uh, do do you think if we get we have Atlanta Guangzhou, if we get Paris Toronto, and if we get Berlin Busan, do you think that's a good six to add? Anyone you're sad that's missing out on this round? Uh, we, yeah, I guess, uh, and uh, you know, we just mentioned Melbourne possibly for season three, but just trying to think about um, unrepresented regions right now. Um, you know, Paris, Berlin, and London, those, those are your EU teams. Um, if you wanted to add another one there, you could um, probably do something in Russia. Um, you, you know, we've seen uh, you, you got a really nice core, even from the Russian World Cup team, perhaps. Um, um, you, you, you know, put put something in Russia maybe to fill that out. Um, but like unrepresented regions, um, possibly something in Australia, uh, which again we're uh, looking at potentially in the future already. But um, or South America. Apparently, 
uh, like like Brazil and that area has um, a pretty decent competitive community that you don't hear much about. Um, yeah, Brazil Brazil gaming house is they 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 show up to the World Cup every once in a while. You know they they've got a they've got a pretty good pretty good scene down in Brazil. So Brazil could be eventually a team. Yeah. Um, if we were going to do, um, uh, another, another American team, obviously, um, uh, from sitting here in the Midwest, uh, something like Chicago would be awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, you, you know, just because of the location, uh, obviously, you know, we heard that rumor of Toronto, uh, you know, we know Toronto esports, um, already a really great contenders team. Uh, but they feed Boston uprising question mark. <laughs> I, I, th I think I think they're a feeder team for somebody in the Overwatch League. Uh, I don't know. I'm not I, sure. I don't know. Um, Possibly. At any rate, but it, it, we know a really good contenders team. Um, so to to to, uh, to put a a new Overwatch League team uh, there in Toronto definitely would be out of the question. Yeah. Um, I, every almost every city rumor we've gotten that's like published. Is, has turned out to be true almost. The only reason I would maybe question the Toronto rumor is it wasn't broken by ESPN and uh, Jacob Wolf, but rather over not GG. Uh, but I, I don't know. I Toronto is a good choice, I guess. But I, I did want that Chicago pretty badly, being from the Midwest. It, it is the Boston Uprising, actually. Uh, okay. So, so that so, so that might be a, a reason not to have. Uh, a Toronto Owl team if they have already got um, a really nice feeder into Boston. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, since uh, we'll see. <laughs> Huck, since Huck owned Toronto Esports or was a part of Toronto Esports, that makes total sense why they're the feeder team. Um, yeah, color schemes. We got Atlanta and Guangzhou confirmed. So let's 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 make some color schemes for these teams. That's that's the, <laughs> that's the best part of this. I. I'm obsessed with color schemes. I'm obsessed with logos. I don't know what it is about me, but that's just like my favorite part of the Overwatch League. I was I was loving it last year when they were just like, here's this team, here's this team. Atlanta, Guangzhou, what do you, what do you go with? Uh, well, uh, we, we were talking about this earlier. I was kind of thinking, uh, you, you know, uh, Atlanta kind of has to do something uh, with with like a peach type color, you know what I mean? Because we're yeah. in Georgia, uh, right? So southern United States, uh, you, you know, might might be a little uh, a, a little out of character, but you know, put like a, a peach and a light green or something yeah. like that. That would uh, be interesting. I've never seen like a peach colored team, really. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'd be be interesting if they did that. Atlanta, when it comes to pro teams, they all all their pro teams pretty much have red in them. The Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Braves, they all got some red in there. Um, even their college team, the Georgia Bulldogs, they're red and black. Um, so a lot of people, I feel like when they're making concepts, make them red and black. Uh, but I honestly think Guangzhou is going to find a way to be red. Because over there in China, I took Chinese for seven years. I've been to China. They love the color red. It's, the, it's their lucky color. They're, if they're not red, then I, I feel like... Chinese people will be upset that they're not red. That's how much they love the color red, and they'll they'll th they'll honestly think it's bad luck. So, I think Guangzhou probably going to be red. 
Atlanta, I have no clue what they're going to be. Uh, the Atlanta teams also love blue. Uh, Hawks, the Hawks and the Braves both have blue as red, they're red and blue. So it possibly could be blue, but we have so many blue teams at this point. Yeah. So honestly, who knows? Um, I do want to see like a green and I guess we have like the neon green and black team. I want to see like a dark green and black or something or dark green and white. Um, yeah. I don't this know what is, others. So, somebody on Reddit, uh, this is, I can't take credit for my idea, but uh, suggested that we bring in a team that's like uh, maroon and silver, which would be really cool. Ooh. Uh, just yeah. something different. I do. Uh, I want more red for sure. The red we've had so far is red and yellow, which is terrible. That's the worst combination <laughs> yeah. by far. It's better with Shanghai when yellow is the accent. It's still not the best in my opinion, but it's absolutely trash with the my with the Florida Mayhem. When you have yellow as your primary color and red as your secondary, like oh my god, that is just so ugly to look at. And I'm glad that they're considering changing to the to the classic Miami like pink turquoise ish like neon color because and they better do it because I absolutely <laughs> despise the yellow red. I, I cannot think of like I can't think of a professional sports team or any brand besides like McDonald's obviously any like sports brand that has ever been yellow as their like first color and then red as their secondary because that just I don't know that's just ugly it just is <laughs> all right well now that we're getting over colors we'll we'll finish it off with um, something we something called visor that was uh, released in beta this week. Um, it's just a little overlay on Overwatch uh, that that gives you information um, like, hey, you've had your ultimate for a very long time. Maybe you should use it. Um, it gives you stats after the game. Uh, it, it basically just reads your screen, sort of takes takes videos your screen and like figures out stats and whatnot. But the most controversial feature is that it uses the kill feed to basically predict when your opponents have their ultimate abilities, um, which people have been upset saying that gets rid of the skill of having good game sense because this thing is just going to tell you um, when the other team has their ultimates instead of you having to mentally track them while playing. Do you think Visor is cheating? Do I? Uh, it... it, it <laughs> It's one of the things, you know, it's it's really complicated. Um, I kind of subscribe to the school of thought um, expressed um, among other people by um, Jane, the uh, the coach for Team Canada in the World Cup, uh, also now newly hired um, assistant coach for Dallas Fuel, uh, which, by the way, that'll be cool. We can talk about that some other time. Um, uh, but, but one of the things he said was that uh, there's sort of two possible outcomes if you're using Visor for your games. Um, number one is that uh, if if the program can alt track um, correctly and consistently, consistently, and uh, you start to rely on it and lose the skill yourself, um, or, or don't develop the skill yourself, and so then um, you you know you're underskilled as a player, uh, or uh, uh, the the visor program itself isn't isn't effective and doesn't alt track accurately and that sort of thing, um, in which case you're just giving yourself a handicap if you do rely on it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the things you could com- compare. Uh, uh, you, uh, you, the, 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 there are there are several other um, like analysis 
program services, however you want to call it, um, that will uh, that will give you something to look at. You know, after your game's over, they take some take some of the data um, that's made available uh, just through Overwatch on the internet, but. Uh, you, you know, to analyze some of your stats and that sort of thing. This is the the difference between that is that this is happening, um, you know, in the middle of a game. Um, the, the, I think their website describes it. You know, oh, it's nothing different than like if you have a friend looking over your shoulder uh, while you're trying to play. I don't know. It's uh, it is a little I, different because there's <laughs> there's there's no way you have a friend that that's that is the that good uh, has, has the brain of a computer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Would I use it? Probably not. I guess is the short yeah. version. Um, yeah. I, coming from Hearthstone, I played Hearthstone. They have a bunch of overlays in game. There's nothing Blizzard can do to shut down these overlays because they're just overlays. Um, and for Hearthstone, they have a full deck tracker. In game, you cannot possibly see like what cards are left in your deck, but with a deck tracker, you can. And that is allowed, and it's not cheating because technically you can do that with a pen and paper. Um, and in it's it's like needed almost in Hearthstone at this point. I try I I try playing without it, and I, I I mean I don't even try. Sometimes I accidentally play without it, and I'm just at a huge disadvantage because I'm just like, what cards do I have left in my deck, and all this stuff. And I it it really helps to play around what cards you have left, I guess. But in my opinion, if you are using Visor on climbing the ranks of Overwatch and you eventually get good enough to to uh, make the Overwatch League or contenders on LAN, any, any LAN event, Blizzard is not going to let you use Visor on their computers. Definitely so the, not. So if you come up the ranks, depending on Visor, using Visor as your game sense and all of a sudden... You, you can't use Visor anymore because you're at an official Blizzard-sanctioned event on LAN where their computers don't have Visor, you're just going to be worse than everybody else because you, you don't have high enough game sense. So if you actually want to become a pro in Overwatch, you're definitely not going to want to use Visor. You're going to want to learn how to do it yourself uh, because once, once, you go, once you get high enough in the ranks, you're just not going to be allowed to use it anymore. So yeah, overall, any more thoughts on Visor? Uh, I don't think I have anything. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I overall, it's. I know it was a big deal this week, but I. I don't think it's a big deal in the long run whatsoever because people who do use it will will end up just like hurting themselves in the end. So, it's not something Blizzard can do anything about because it, it just doesn't matter that much. Um. Yeah. That's that's all we got for the first episode of On the Flank. I I enjoyed it a lot, and I can, I can't wait to do this every week with you, Joe. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Oh yeah, once we once things start picking up, especially with this free agency, I'm excited. But uh, yeah, to close out, I guess we'll promote some social media. You can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at JWGeorgeIV. Um, Joe is at Kirkpatrick underscore Inc. I-N-C. And uh, our show is on Twitter as well, at On The Flank Show. Uh, you can also email us on the flank show at gmail.com. You can submit topics, you can ask questions, and we will answer it right here on this show. Of course, you can find our podcast on ontheflank.podbean.com. It's also going to be on my YouTube, which is John George. 
Uh, we'll most likely tweet out the YouTube links. It'll be on iTunes, and eventually, once we get to five episodes, it'll be on Spotify, because Spotify requires us to have five episodes. That's all the plug-in I got to do. Any any more plugs you got, Joe? I don't think so. That all sounds good to me. Uh, awesome. Go watch the go watch the All Star Weekend. Yeah, and, <laughs> and go watch Joe play Lucio Ball on the uh, Tespa <laughs> Twitch page. Is that this Saturday? Uh, yeah, this Saturday. And if we do well enough, it'll be on Sunday too. But go dogs! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's it for our first episode. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you later. Yeah. Catchphrase.